Chapter Sixteen of Our Feathered Friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Colleen McMahon. Our Feathered Friends by Elizabeth and Joseph Grinnell. Our Screech Owl. Speaking of owls reminds us of a pet screech owl which once happened to belong to us. One evening in midsummer we heard a thump against the screen in front of the fireplace, as if something rather soft had fallen down the chimney. Of course, we hurried to see what it could be, and there was a small mouse, not at all hurt. We caught it as soon as we could, and found that it was covered with soot from its long, dark journey. Then we began guessing how it happened to get into the chimney top. There was no possible way for it to do this, except by being carried there by some other creature. We at once suspected that an owl had caught the mouse and had taken it to the top of the chimney to eat. Here the mouse had managed to escape, falling down the long, gloomy shaft. This is what we imagined, you know. Next morning we were under the trees in the garden, when all the birds in another part of the yard commenced such a clatter that we ran to find out the cause. It was a funny sight and a droll sound. There were the mockingbirds, and the sparrows, and the linnets, and the finches, and the bush tits, and last and least the tiny hummingbirds, each and all screaming at the top of their voices and hopping about in a certain tree. We knew in a moment there must be an enemy there, and began to search for him. The birds were not afraid, but flew toward us, looking us in the face, while they screamed louder than before. By this we knew that we must be very near the enemy. It did not take much hunting to find the cause of the uproar. On a low branch of the tree sat a screech owl, blinking away sleepily. He was not at all embarrassed by so many callers, nor frightened by their noise. One of us reached up behind the bird and took hold of him around the legs and tail, grabbing him firmly so that he could not bite or get away. Then we brought an unused robin's cage and put the owl in it. He began to spit at us, as a cat does when it is angry or frightened, and this excited the birds all the more. They followed us while we took the cage to the back doorsteps, and then they took their places on the clothesline and the pump and the bushes nearby, chirping and scolding in a bustling way that was quite laughable. More birds came in from the neighboring yards, and the din they all made grew so great that we had to shut the owl in the woodshed. Then the birds seemed to hold a council to talk the trouble over, and to devise ways and means of getting rid of the enemy. At last they seemed to settle the matter and went away. But we noticed a number of linnets and a mocker in sight, as if they had been left in charge as spies. And spies they were, in fact. As soon as we took the cage out again and attempted to pet the owl and watch him, these spy birds gave a shrill call, and back came all the other birds. We carried the cage to the upper balcony, and the confusion was the same. At last we left it in the shed. This owl had doubtless caught the mouse the night before and dropped it down our chimney, so we thought we would keep him a while, to teach him better than to be prowling around our house in the evening. His feathers were very soft and thick, as are the feathers of most owls. Being so soft, and able to fly without any noise, the owls can catch their game on the sly while the hawks depend upon their swiftness for their food. It makes no difference, when a hawk is on the hunt, whether he makes a noise with his coarse feathers or not. He knows that he can be quick enough to catch his little victims, 
be they birds or mice. Well, we kept that screech owl just as long as we wanted his company. He was not a beautiful or an interesting pet. In fact, he would not be petted at all. He did cease to spit and growl at us in a day or two, but he never seemed to return our good feeling or to place any trust in us. He slept or blinked all day, and when night came he was hungry. We taught him to take pieces of raw beef from the end of a long stick, not daring to give it to him from our fingers. He seemed to enjoy this food, but what suited him best was mice. We caught these mice in a trap in the grain bin and gave them to the owl only when they were dead. As soon as the bird saw a mouse, he would snatch it quickly and growl at it and shake it and stick his sharp claws through it, pinning it to the roost. It would take him a long while, sometimes two or three hours, to eat a whole mouse, but he never once let go of it with his claws. He would tear it to pieces, skin and all, and eat the shreds. He seemed to be obliged to rest after each mouthful, going to sleep between times, still clinging to what was left of his supper, and growling if we tried to take it away from him. After a while he would disgorge or throw up the hard and hairy parts, and then he would take more of his food. We did not care to keep this owl, so one evening we let him fly away. He was seen in the yard many times that summer, and the birds always told us where he was, though they never made quite so much noise as at first. They grew used to having him around. He never lighted on so low a bough again, probably remembering how he had been taken the first time. We did not care if he did choose to live in our yard, for we knew very well his lazy habit of sleeping all day. When he woke up at night, we knew that the little birds would all be in bed. He was welcome to the mice and the crickets and June bugs. We are not too fond of owls. It is dismal to hear their doo-hoo, doo-hoo, as they try to sing. We are glad that they try, for even a poor song is better than no song at all. Owls cannot sing any better than turkeys. In fact, we prefer turkeys to owls for music. Don't you? End of chapter 16